want you to see if um, any of these uh, things kind of resonate with you. And uh, they're phobias. Uh, see if you can identify them ahead of time. Uh, acrophobia. Anybody know what that is? Fear of heights. Fear of heights. Uh, arachnophobia is scared. Yeah, fear, fear of uh, spiders. So, areophobia. Fear of flying. You know, cyberphobia. Fear of computers. Mazeophobia. It's a fear of getting lost. I think there's probably a new phobia that's been added recently, and it's uh, aerocybermazeophobia. Do you know what that is? Fear of flying Northwestern. <laughs> oh, I got a I got a hiss over here. So, yeah. <laughs> Panthera phobia. It's the fear of your mother-in-law. <laughs> Don't laugh if your mother-in-law's here, by the way. So, yeah. There's ecclesiophobia. That's the fear of uh, church. And uh, ovis phobia. Do you know what that is? It's a fear of a ram. Now, that's not in the NFL, by the way, but, yeah. Taipan phobia. Uh, it's fear of needles. Uh, I've got a good friend that's afraid of it. He actually passes out if you show him a picture of a, a needle. He, he will get woozy on you, you know. Thernophobia. It's a fear of being tickled by feathers. Go figure. So, and homophobia, that is the fear of sermons. And, and I hope you're not afraid of that because what I want to do the next few weeks is I want to talk about fear and talk about how to live without fear in your life or it controlling you. You know, fast forward. What do you fear? Because fear is kind of this two-edged sword. I mean, fear has a negative aspect. It can kind of paralyze you. You know, it can tyrannize your, your life. It can rob you of joy. It can rob you of peace. In fact, it can keep you from being all that God wants you to be in your life. There's a positive side to fear, though, and that is that it can motivate us. It can propel us to, to greatness. And what I want to do through this series is kind of flash forward and look at the things that we fear. And today I want to talk about fear of the future. And I start there because I think all the things that we fear in life have a futuristic aspect to them. You know, the Bible talks a lot about fear. First uh, Timothy, Paul, Paul writes, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know, that's phobos in the, in the Greek. It's the only time, this is the only time that word's used. And it means cowardice. Uh, means running scared from something. So, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Read with me. But of power and love and of a sound mind. See, God knew that we would deal with fear in our life. God knew that we would struggle with fear. That's why the, the phrase, fear not, it's mentioned 189 times in Scripture. And the Spirit of God does not produce the negative side of fear. It produces love. It produces power. It produces a, a sound mind. 
And so I wonder, why are we afraid of the future? You know, one of the the reasons I I think we're afraid of the future is because we don't know what it's going to bring. It's an unknown. We're just not sure. You know, we, we try all kinds of things to kind of forecast the future, don't we? I mean, some people, tarot cards, astrology, palm reading. And what? What is all that about? It's about trying to get a grasp, get a handle on the future. You know, we read books. I mean, I, I read a lot of stuff that is subscribed to, to things that, uh, periodicals that help understand what's going to happen. There's a lot of stuff on uh, forecasting the economic future. You attend seminars. Why? So you can plan for your future. Friends, you could be the most informed person on this planet. You could have an IQ that's off the charts. You could understand the multiple complexities of this world. But what you forecast for the future... Educated guess at best. The fact is nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. In fact, I would argue that fear is a factor. That fear of the future is an issue in our society today, a big issue. I mean, considering the economic instability uh, of Wall Street or Main Street. Think about the, the, all the banks that have failed this past year, the foreclosures, corporate, corporations uh, filing for bankruptcy, government bailout, you know, rising unemployment. Throw in uh, a little corruption, a few wars, rumors of wars, terrorism, global warming. I would argue fear. Fear. There's fear all around us. The, the fact is... There is a lot of ifs in life. You know, what if mentality that that kind of controls us, gets a hold of us. And in fact, you can't spell life. What's right in the middle of life, the word life? If. Life is a lot of ifs. I mean, how do you face the future? How do you face the future in tough times? You know, Solomon, one of the smartest guys to ever walk the planet, this guy, he asks the question this way, Ecclesiastes 8, 7, he says, since no one knows the future, who can tell what's to come? I mean, since nobody knows what's going to happen down the road, how do we face it? How do, how do we get, get involved and, and understand how to deal with that future? Scripture says a lot on this topic. A lot of things that we shouldn't do when it comes to the future. Common mistakes I think many of us make. You know, one thing that kind of messes us up. See if you do this. We try and control the future. How many of you try and do that? I mean, we do. We do. You know, James says, yet you do not know what your life will be like when? Tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then you vanish away. In other words, life's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen tonight, do you? Let alone tomorrow or next year. It's just a guess. It's just a guess. And again, 
When, when you think about that wars escalate, that companies restructure, that economies can crash, that friends can, can run, that spouses can leave, you just don't know life might be feast or it might be famine. One moment, things are great. They're, they're, they feel wonderful. And the next moment, you find yourself in a pit. Anyway, I don't know about you, but when things get off the chain for me, the natural inclinations to, to worry, to, to fret, to sweat, you know, it's all an attempt to try and control the future. Now, let's be honest. I want to see hands on this. How many of you have worried about something that never happened? Come on. Now, Jesus asks this question. He says, and can any of you, by worrying a single hour, uh, we'll try that again. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Can you? No. I mean, don't misunderstand me. I believe that we should plan for the future. That's a good thing that we do. But you have to remember that your future is in God's hands. You know, sometimes people tell me, they'll they'll say, well, well, Pastor, I I wish I could see the future. You know, if, if I could just flash forward, and if I knew everything, then I'd be okay. Really? I mean, friends, not only can we not know what the future holds... I don't believe we'd really want to know everything. What we really mean is, tell me all the good things that are going to happen. You know, God doesn't want us to know the future because I think he understands that we would be totally overwhelmed if we knew our entire future. And we also wouldn't need faith at that point. But it's a mistake we make. We're going to control the future. Another mistake, I think, is that we panic about the future. You know, Jesus said... So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, one of the keys to to living, I believe, is learning to live in the present. Learning to enjoy today. Because, friends, today is all you're guaranteed. It's all you've got. You know, the future, you, you look at it, it can be overwhelming, But the nice thing is it comes in these bite-sized packages of 24 hours. You know, plan for the future, okay? Plan for the future, live in the present. That's a tough one, isn't it? I had a professor who used to say this to me, or to our class, actually. He'd say, live by the yard is hard, but life by the inch, it's a cinch. And I think that's true. You know what I mean? Life happens when we are panicked about the future. Life's happening, but we're so fixated on the future, we get lost. You know, Spencer Johnson, in his book, One Minute Manager, he gives a core concept uh, of the perfect presence. You know, literally, present time. That, that's all we have to, to give to our families is, is right now. 
It's all we have to give to the world. Not next hour, not next month, not next year. God has given you a gift that you ought to use, and that is right now, live in the present. Live in the present. That's what we talked about our whole last series. It's one of the keys to living, is living in the present. We are to live one day at a time. Again, plan for the future. Plan for the future, but you cannot live in the future. You only live in the present. Another mistake that we make, I think, many times is we put things off till tomorrow. You know, James said this. He says, anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, what? Commits sin. Friends, too many people live in the future. You know, someday I'm going to. You ever met someone like that? You know, always aiming to do something. Fast forward. Still aiming. Never seem to do anything. I've shared this before. I love the poem, Procrastination is my sin. It only caused me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will tomorrow. (laughs) You know, putting things off, it's a trap. It will get you. Too too many times, I think, uh, as Christians, that we see sin as uh, like doing an evil activity, like uh, murder or adultery or cheating or lying or stealing, that, you know, we have to do something. Those are sins of commission. But, friends, you can do nothing. Sins of omission. By doing nothing... You know, this idea that simply uh, avoiding evil is all it's about. You can do nothing in sin. You can. Procrastination can become a sin. It's a, it's a subtle trap. It's that living in the land of someday, someday, someday I'll. You fill in the blank. Someday I'll do this. And you presume, what, that you got tomorrow, that you'll do it down the road, you know, One of these days, I'm going to get really serious about my faith. One of these days, I'm going to get serious about God. One of these days, I'm going to get committed. I'm going to step it up. And friends, you wait for tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. Let me challenge you as you face the future, the things you don't want to do. You don't want to try and control it because you can't. Panic doesn't work. You know, putting things off, that doesn't work. So what what do we do? What do we do when it comes to the future? You know, the book of Joshua, it uh, gives us a great story. It opens up, and God's having this kind of pep talk with Joshua. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses, Moses has just died. He's taken over. And it's the time has come for them to cross the Jordan River. Now Joshua, Joshua knew that when they crossed that river that they were going to face seven enemy nations. And these nations were bigger than them. They were more equipped. They they were better trained for, for fighting. And Joshua knew that their future was going to be tough. I mean, it was going to be really tough. 
they're on one side of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go to the other side. God says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, you need to be courageous. Flash forward. God says, it'll be successful. You do not know, you do not know what the future holds. But friends, we know who holds the future in our lives, don't we? Joshua knew that. I mean, one of of the things that I believe you have to do when you face the, the future is you have to set a plan in your life. You know, God is a God of order. God is a God that that plans. In other words, you've got to learn to do some planning in in your life. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, well, i got all kinds of plans. And friends, I know too many Christians, they they say, oh, I love God with all my heart. You know, but they live their life, they kind of forget God. On a daily basis. They, they make plans for the future. But they leave God out of those plans. You know when they're planning for their business. Or their career. Or their education. Or their life. They're planning to face the future. And for all practical purposes. They're an atheist. You know I, I've said this before. One of the saddest things for me. Is to meet someone. That, that says I don't believe in God. But you know what's sadder than that? I find this tragic, and that is Christians who say, I believe in God, but they function like they don't believe in God. You know, are you setting plans with God? Do you let God in on that process? And I know as I say that, some of you are going, well, no, I'm I'm independent. Are you? I believe in God. Does God have a say? And I know as I say that, some of you are going, well, I don't believe in mixing business with faith. And here's a newsflash for you. All business is God's business if you're a Christian, if you're a believer. You know, some of you are a little more sly, You don't just push God out. What you do is you set your plan. You set your plan and you go, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is my grand plan. Now bless it, God. Oh, you want to look at it? Well, you know, God, it's got a lot of fine points in it, a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. You're, You're a busy guy, you know? If, if you could just sign off here. Friends, you got it backwards. You got it backwards. No wonder you fail. No wonder you freak out. No wonder you get a little out of balance in your life. Because you're setting a plan and you're not starting out with God. Let me suggest you start with God. You go to God and say, God, what do you want to do? What do you not want me to do in my life? Start with a plan. Start with God. After all, God holds the future. And then consider consider this promise here. Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, 
and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What a scripture. You got to memorize that. It's a great one in dark days. You know, Joshua, he sets a plan. God's talking to him. Joshua 1, story picks up, says, Moses, my servant's dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. In other words, the people, the people got ready. They're preparing to go possess what God had promised them. And, and here's my question for you. Have you set a plan with God, and are you preparing for that plan? Because the fact is, life, life is full of both battles and blessings. That's something I figured out. You get both. It's not just one way. I've also figured out that there's nothing of worth in this life that comes automatically. It it doesn't come easy. Sometimes you have to fight for it in your life. Sometimes you have to fight for it, and you, you need God alongside you. You know, I, I love Joshua because Joshua is this guy that he has conviction. And he never gave up. He faced incredible odds in his life. God's talking to Joshua. He says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Joshua orders the people, he says, get ready. Get ready. Again, you can't control your future. But you know what? You can prepare for it. You can prepare for it. Read a a study, a survey uh, that was done not long ago. And what they found was 27% of Americans have never really thought about the future. No real thought. 60% have given some thought to the future, almost exclusively financially as they looked at their future. 10% have given serious thought. These are the high achievers in life. And only 3% actually have goals for achieving what it is they believe they need to achieve. And they call them kind of super achievers. And what I found interesting in that study is that the super achievers outperformed the high achievers 10 to 1. And the difference was they actually had goals. They had a game plan for their life. Friends, successful people set a plan. They get ready. They make the most use of their time and their energy and their life. And here's the question. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? You know, it's interesting. You read this chapter and three times God says to to him to have courage. He he starts out here and and he says, Moses, my servant is dead. He says, you need to prepare for the future, Joshua. You got to let go of the past. You know, I think think God was reminding Joshua that he had to let go. You know, I believe Joshua and Moses were, were close. I mean, they were good friends, relatives. But I think God was reminding him that if you're going to embrace 
the future. You got to let go of the past. Friends, some of you need to let go. You need to let go of a, a past relationship so you can possess your future. You need to let go of pain, you know, maybe a, a loss or a death. You've got to let go so you can claim your future. Some of you need to let go of past mistakes. It's holding you down. You've got to let go. God says to Joshua, you've got to let go, man. I've got a plan, but you've got to get prepared. You know, Proverbs says, don't go charging into battle without a plan. Makes sense. Another one says, we shall make our plans counting on God to what? Direct us. Are you planning with God? Are you planning with God? Are you letting God direct you? Or are you planning without God? And if you're planning without God, let me, let me tell you, you're pretty presumptuous. And good luck with that. Because the best wisdom I can give you is whatever the plan is, prayerfully plan with God. Second thing, stay in God's word. Stay in God's word. You know, when, when the future threatens to unnerve you, I believe you find the positive ground by staying in God's word, by spending time in God's word. God's God speaking. He says, be strong and very courageous. Three times he tells him that. He says, be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Friends, when you get out of God's word, watch out. You know, I know lots of people, lots of Christians, started out really well in their walk. And then they turn from God. They turn from God's word. They, they get sidetracked in their life. And friends, it happened like that. You know, when I was a kid, I lived in Kern, Illinois for a while. And we had trains all around us, and uh, they would stop in Kern, and they would load with, with grain, and they would load fertilizer. And a good friend of mine, his dad worked down there, and he was in charge of taking the big wrench and switching the tracks, and he'd let us do it once in a while, which is scary as I think about it now, but uh, as a kid, it was like, woo, cool. And it was interesting, because we would move that switch and it would move a little section of track just a few inches. And when the train was coming down, it was on the main track and it would get there, it would end up on the side track. I know a lot of people that hit the side track in life. Start out, they're fired up for God. They're, God, just use me. God, you're, you're involved in everything in my life. And they start out so good. Trying to do what God wants them to do. Trying to please God. And then they get sidetracked. 
Something good comes along, and they get sidetracked. You know, maybe a promotion, a career change, a relationship, a hobby. And they get sidetracked. And then sometimes we get sidetracked because we just get rocked in our life. You know, maybe some kind of loss or an illness or we lose our job or a death or something. Whether it's good or bad, whatever the reason for getting sidetracked, when you get on that sidetrack, you better watch out. It will affect your life. Why do Christians get sidetracked? Well, some of them, it's because they didn't stay in God's word. They didn't read their Bible on a daily basis. You know, I've said this to you before. Coming to church once a week, great thing. It's not enough. It's not enough. You need to plug into God's word on a regular basis. How how many of you think a really good diet would be that six days you fast and then you pig out? For one day a week. And then you fast, means you don't eat anything. And then you eat on the seventh day. How healthy do you think we would be? We're doing that spiritually. I mean, no wonder some of you have spiritual indigestion in your life. You need to set a plan. You need to stay in God's word so that you don't get sidetracked in your life. God says to Joshua, he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, God's promise here. If we commit to God's word, we'll find life's a lot easier. Why is that? Well, because the Bible, the Bible is... God's owner manual for your life. I mean, how do you stay in God's word? Well, he tells us right there. Three things. Don't let the word depart from your mouth. In other words, he's saying talk about it. Talk about it. You know, spend time, get in a small group so that you're talking to other people about what God's word's saying to you, what it means. Get a different perspective. He says meditate. Meditate on it. Day and night. Day and night. In other words, seriously think about Scripture. You know, think of, take one Scripture this week and just meditate on it. Think about it all week. What's that mean? What's God saying to me? What, 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 if I was to make use of that, what would happen? If I was to obey that, what would happen? And just work your way through, but meditate. And then he says, do everything in it. Notice he doesn't say do a few of the things or some of the things. He says do everything in God's word. You know, practice what it says. Live by God's word. I had an eighth grade teacher, and uh, I I would argue that uh, she's the reason I ended up in ministry because of just her, her impressions she put on my heart. And uh, some of you are going, yay, and some of you are going, hmm, yeah. But she used to say to us, just about on a weekly basis, she would say, if you're a Christian, 
you're a living Bible. In other words, people would look and they could tell if we were Christians or not, that, that our lives should say something about who we are. But then she would say, but if you're a Christian and you're not a Bible, then we are liable. Means our life's a lie. Means we're a liability. And I read recently that uh, out of a hundred people, one person will pick up the Bible and come to faith. The other 99, they will read your life and decide whether Jesus Christ can make a difference in their life. It means we've got a responsibility to live it out. Spend time in God's word. Live it out. Stay in the word. One more, step out in faith. Step out in faith. I like that. Step out in faith. You know, faith faith is not just a mental exercise. Faith requires movement in our life. It requires action. It, it requires us to do something. You know, if we were to say that we believe that planes are safe for flying... And they are. But you do not have faith in that unless you actually get on board a plane and you fly. It's the same in the Christian walk. It is more than saying, I believe. It's more than saying, I believe in Jesus. The fact is, the evil one believes in Jesus. It's more than saying, or knowing everything about Jesus, it means committing your life to him. It means letting God be number one in your life. It means letting God call the shots in your life. It means letting God help you with every decision that you make in life. Three times, God says to him, be strong, be courageous. I mean, Joshua needed courage in his life. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is when you move against your fear or in spite of your fear. If you're not afraid, you don't need courage. You need courage when you need to move against fear. You want to possess your future, you face your fear. How do you get rid of the fear? You move against it. You don't rationalize it. You don't psych yourself up so you can move against it. You just start moving. You know, Joshua, he leads the Israelites to the Jordan River. He knows when he crosses, again, seven nations waiting to face off against him. It's going to be a lot of years. They're going to be hard years. I always wonder... How did Joshua have so much confidence? Joshua 1.9, it says, This is my command. Here we go again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Let the Lord your God, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Being afraid, being discouraged. 
Friends, that is a tag team combo that will pin you. Two. Three. And you're down and out. Out of the game. Out of the ring. Out of the fight. Fear. Discouragement. It will keep you from possessing your future. I mean, fear, fear will keep you from even starting. And discouragement, even if you do find the strength to start, will make you want to give up. And the evil one absolutely knows that that's the case, and he will use both of those things to destroy. Fear will keep you in the desert in your life. Fear kept the Israelites 40 years wandering around in the desert. The first time they had a chance to go to the promised land, they were afraid. They wanted to go back to Egypt. I mean, it was a painful life. They knew what it was like, though, and it was safe in their mind. They just wanted to go back stayed in the desert predictable it was known and we're like that sometimes aren't we best counsel I can give you face your fears face your fears move into the promised land whatever that is in your life river Jordan where they're crossing at. Normally, about 100 feet wide, about 40 feet deep. We know from Scripture it was at flood stage. They had uh, been in this kind of situation before because I, I got to assume they immediately flashed back to when Moses parted the water and God worked through him and they walked through on dry land. But this time, this time it's going to be different. Book of Joshua says, but as soon as the feet of the priests touched the water, the river stopped flowing. And the water started piling up the town of Adam near Zarathon. The priests are carrying the ark. They get in the water to their ankles. They're waiting for the water to part. These guys keep walking, though. They get to their waist. I'm thinking they're getting a little nervous. I mean, the waters are churning, flood stage. They take another step. It's to their chest. I'm thinking they're freaking out at this point. Now, you miss this. If you casually read Scripture, don't really think about it. You just miss this part. But as soon as the priest touched the water, God moved. God had stopped the water. It just was 17 miles upriver. God dammed it up. I imagine they are scared to death, but God had already acted. But they had to wait. We have a hard time waiting. 
I mean, what's the point? Here's the point. The first step's always the hardest step because it requires faith. And God says, you lay it on the line and watch out. I'll bail you out. I'll fix it. It'll be okay. And so what is your Jordan River? What is it that looks unsurmountable? What is it that appears to be impossible in your life? Maybe something you can't face relationally, emotionally, physically. You know, maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. But whatever it is, you need to step out in faith and let God work. Let me ask you, one word, what would be your one word to describe your trust in God? One word. Is it growing? Weak? Strong? Starting? Complete? Whatever it is, just bring it to God. It's okay. I find it interesting, 40 years earlier, 12 spies went into the promised land. Ten of them looked around, did a quick assessment. They came back and they go, place is full of giants. We got to stay out of there. They'll slaughter us. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they come back and say, we can do it with God's help. But fear was a factor that day. And the people went with the negative. They freaked out. And they chose not to possess their future. They spent the rest of their lives in the desert. Forty years in the desert. They died there. They were buried there. Except two guys. Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones from that generation that were allowed to cross the Jordan River that day. They were the only ones from that generation that got to put their feet in the promised land. Flash forward. Friends, you can't control your future. The fact is you don't even know what the future really looks like. You can make a guess. But God knew the future. God knows the future. And God is in control of your future. And if you just trust him to control the thing that is out of your control, I believe you don't have to worry. Scripture, Paul writes, he says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's a good verse to meditate on this week. For I can do What is it you're struggling with? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I don't know what you face. I don't know how scary it is. I don't know how big it is. I don't know how impossible it looks. But friends, whatever it is that you face today, whatever it is, if you just give it to God and say, God, I commit my future to you. 
flash forward without fear without fear if God's by your side let's bow in a word of prayer together our holy God God we praise you God we thank you you know everything that's going on in our lives God I know there are are people here today that fear is a huge factor. God, whatever it is that has them paralyzed, that has them scared to death, God, I pray that you would show them that you hold that future. You are the God that and take things out of the ashes. That you're a God that can take the broken and bring wholeness. That you're a God that can do anything. God, I pray that they would just lay that at your throne and say, all right, it's all yours. And we spend so much energy fretting and worrying. Help us to have the strength to just rest in you. God, I thank you for each day. I thank you for each opportunity you give us. I pray that everything we say and do would be pleasing in your sight. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day.